Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Mersey Waves podcast. I'm Sarah and today we're delving into the past, present and future of one of Liverpool's most iconic buildings. Each day, tens of thousands of people drive past the Littlewoods building on Edge Lane, which is one of the key gateways in and out of Liverpool. Some people won't give a second thought about driving past this Art Deco gem, but this venue has a whole new lease of life ahead of it as the Hollywood Studios of the North. And you may be surprised to know that the building's own story is worthy of a star turn on the silver screen. Today, I'm in Liverpool John Moores University to chat to three experts involved in a fascinating project to create a portrait of the history of the building. I'll be meeting Dr Ruth Doughty from LJMU, who is leading the project, Liverpool writer Jeff Young, and John Moffat from Regeneration Specialist Capital and Centric. Together, they are working to chronicle the stories of the past for the future as the Littlewoods building moves on to its next exciting chapter. Hi all, welcome to the Mersey Waves podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about the past, present and future of an incredibly iconic building in the city. Ruth, let's start with you. Can you tell us about the project that sounds really exciting? Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, this is the Littlewoods Heritage Project. Um, we've secured funding from the National Lottery to undertake a project um, which is going to be an intergenerational project. We're working with former employees and also the younger generation to talk about the amazing history of the building um, and how it was sort of used over time. So I'm going to be going out with students from Liverpool John Moores University and I'm going to be conducting oral history interviews, um, asking people what it was like to work in the building, their memories and how things have changed over time. Um, And then also on the project, I'm working with um, Jeff Young, who is here as our um, writer. And we we have a filmmaker, a local girl, um, Laura Sparks. And so Jeff and Laura are going to be making a a film together. I don't know, do you want to say Yeah, what we're going to be doing over the next year or more is we're, we're making, a, 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 it's kind of a new piece of art that responds to the, to the building and to the, to, to the women who work there. Um, a, lot, a lot of the work that I do is about uh, derelict industrial uh, spaces, buildings, old factories and stuff like that. And um, the, the Littlewoods building itself is, as you say, it's such an iconic building. Uh, but it's not just the building; it's all the women who ever worked there, which is thousands and thousands. And quite a dramatic backstory, really, to the building, isn't it? Can we just for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what the Littlewoods building was, can you just tell us a bit about its history, when it was built, etc. It's probably can I bring you in? yeah, <laughs> best for me to come in. Um, so Littlewoods was started as an organisation in uh, the mid nineteen twenties, um, in the midst of the Great Depression. Um, and they employed a huge number of people in the city and they paid them a living wage which I think is you know, um, credit to John and Cecil who obviously started the, the company um, and in 1938 uh, they finished the building of their new Pools HQ and also um, so the Pools HQ was in the West Wing which is two storeys and Jane Seymour's printing company were in the, the single storey East Wing, um, 
and obviously that was a, a kind of pretty disastrous time to finish your new 180,000 square foot uh, <laughs> headquarters complex because uh, obviously the next year the, the war started um, but really that's kind of where this story kicks off is the ingenuity of John and Cecil that they didn't just lay people off but actually in the first 48 hours of the war they printed uh, 17 million calling up papers um, but that wasn't going to keep them going all the way through the war so they then innovated again and decided to make parachutes and at their peak they were the second biggest global manufacturer of parachutes during the, the second world war so um, whatever they put their mind to they did wholeheartedly and, and they were very good at um, and then after the war um, the building went back to being the the HQ of the pools and, and the printing company and um, there was the kind of subsequent meteoric rise of the business to be what we understand to be the um, largest private enterprise in, in Europe um, so quite a, an incredible backstory to the building We've also um, found out through Wavertree Historical Society that during the wartime period as well, um, the building was also used as a site for censorship for all international mail coming in and out of the UK. Um, and there's a great bit that somebody's found in a book and they've scanned it over to us about somebody going in and talking about checking all of the mail to see if anybody's leaking information and talking all about spies, which is really mm. exciting. There's 1,300 men and women sat on the top floor of the, the West Wing around these big tables which each had like a, a, a sticker on it which had all the different languages that were spoken at that table where they were reading every single piece of incoming and outgoing international mails. Quite an incredible um, contribution to the war effort, really. People are aware of the project you're doing, so what sort of response have you had to date? So we had a launch back in early July, and we probably had about 150 people, local um, people from the community, come along, and so we started to tell them about um, our project. We've also got a Facebook group, Littlewoods Heritage Project, um, and we've got about 180 people um, getting involved on the Facebook group. It's really great, the Facebook group, because... People are sharing photographs. They're starting saying, oh, can you remember when we did this? And we're getting lots of great tidbits of information. But we've also been asking people, you know, if they'd be happy for us to interview them. So we're going to be training up students as oral historians. Um, we've also got access to an archive, the Littlewoods Archive, which is based in the National Football Museum in Preston. Not the actual museum in Manchester, but the archives are still in Preston. And they have literally, there's about 80 to 100 boxes that have been untouched of photographs and documents. So we're looking to see if we can get some students to help catalogue that archive in order to sort of share it with the general public. But we're also working in collaboration with Metal Arts. I don't know if you want to say something about Metal, Jeff. Um, yeah, I don't know if people know Metal, but Metal is an art centre in Edgehill train station, which is in really short walking distance from the building. Um, I'm currently uh, artist in residence at Metal for, I don't know, forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least 12 months. 
And I'm going to use that as my base uh, so that I can be close to the building and close to the close to the area. And Laura as well, the, the uh, filmmaker who's going to be working, she'll be coming in. And Metal is, and they're committed to the community. You know, they even have a community allotment uh, for, for local people to grow vegetables on and uh, children to learn, learn what, what a seed is, you know. Um, so it's like a, it's a venue. It, it's got a tiny cinema there as well. And it's, it, it, what, what, it's just, it, it's a fascinating place. But what is brilliant is it's community-centred, you know. And they're going to help us run workshops with local children. Um, we're working with, I think in total, it's kind of eight, eight schools, eight schools and yeah. um, youth clubs, some at primary school level, some at secondary school level. So really bringing that story. Yeah, so because yeah, we'll be using the material from those workshops in, in the art mm. piece, you know. And it's, it's getting the younger generation excited yeah. about this yeah. history, you know. I'm sure the little kids will be really excited about, you know, uh, the war, the spies and parachutes, you know. But I think also for the older sort of secondary school children, I think, you know, hearing about the women being empowered working at Littlewoods, I think is really important because, you know... Um, Sir John Moores and Cecil, um, they were really, they paid far more than anybody else. I think it was like three times the wage. Somebody sent me a handwritten letter the other day about, get, you know, she she was promised a promotion somewhere and she ended up getting like a 10p promotion and she decided to try Littlewoods and straight away her increase in um, pay went up by three times. So locally everybody wanted to work for Littlewoods. You, you hardly meet a person who's who's got a negative thing to say about their experience of working there. They're also proud of it, aren't they? And uh, yeah. they, they love to, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it a bit of a passion project for you? Jennifer? Yeah, because that's my... I love that, you know. Mm. It's like I, I've done a lot of work in industrial places. I've never encountered anybody who loves the place where they work, you know. You know, it's like... and this, But these women did. You know, you it's sit down with learn. them and, and they, they, they're passionate about mm. it, aren't they, John? You know? oh, yeah, I mean, incredibly so. I think John and Cecil they looked after their workforce like they were family. And so there is that almost kind of familiarity with the organization and the building that it is, it's part of them. So their story is important. Um, And I think that's the the great thing about this, this piece of work that's being done. This isn't just the bricks and mortar. Yes, it's an iconic building. It's 200 foot high, it's 200 meters long, but actually it's the stories that are important. Because it seems that people love this building so much. Have you come up against any brick walls in terms of talking about regenerating it, bringing it back to life, or has it been the opposite? No, the polar opposite. Right. We, we've never had any um, kind of negativity towards the scheme whatsoever, I think. So do you want to talk about the scheme, what it is? Sure, yes. Plan is? Um, so we are um, on with turning the, the building into an international film and TV hub. This is actually a, a council-originated um, development, so... It, this we were brought in to kind of deliver the vision of the council um, uh, for a, a film and TV hub, and it's desperately needed because at the moment uh, we are losing out on circa 180 million pounds of uh, gross value added as a city every year because we don't have purpose-built production space. Um, so people come and they do lots of exterior shooting. 
1,300 days of film in a year, but on average they only stay three days because then they have to disappear off somewhere else to do all their interior shooting. Um, and that's a massive hole in the economy of just money leaking out. And really, the only way to fix that is to deliver purpose-built sound stages, um, which is obviously what we're on with. So the scheme is centered around two very large 20,000 square foot each uh, sound stages. And then the building hosts all of the um, infrastructure that's needed to then facilitate production in the sound stages. Um, so yeah, we've never had any negativity whatsoever mm -hmm. towards towards the scheme. I think it's recognised that this was an economic powerhouse, um, and you look at the the photos of the kind of sea of women who were working in this building, and as Ruth rightly points out, they were paid a really good wage. Um, there's you know so many kids who had bread on the table who wouldn't have otherwise had it. We need as a city to bring this building back into economic use to create the same kind of quantity of jobs for Picton and Wavertree and actually not just for the local area but actually for the city region as a whole this scheme is, is hugely important um, up to 4,000 jobs. A pretty powerful statement as well to have Twickenham Studio as a yes, tenant the, there as well. What the, does that say about the city and the building? I think it's a, a real show of confidence for the city that we can attract the, the absolute best um, Twickenham uh, Oscar award-winning um, they just did the um, post-production on Bohemian Rhapsody and, and won an Oscar for it so we haven't just picked anybody these are kind of best in class um, and we're you know absolutely delighted to have secured them um, and there's a great link with the city there too and that the Beatles films were all filmed at Twickenham um, so yeah it's a really kind of natural fit um, so very, very exciting and definitely a landmark occasion for, for the city. And it's also great for the students graduating from John Moores University because we're in the Liverpool Screen School. So it gives real opportunities for our students that are writers, they're filmmakers. They don't have to go to London to chase that dream, but instead it'll be here in Liverpool. I think that it, the fact that we are uh, working with lots of school children of all different ages it's true to say, isn't it, that a lot of those children will, will end up working in Twickenham Studios in, the, in that very building, yeah. local. local. And one of the things that we um, are planning on doing is is outreach programme into local schools to engage kids with the prospect of a job in film and TV. Mm. And hopefully you get that natural flow of um, children who've kind of been made aware of the heritage of the building, then being made aware of the potential kind of employment prospects that the building's going to offer them and hopefully directly into employment within yeah. that industry. So, also. Like, well, so yeah, 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 that's definitely yeah. the plan. Yeah. Um, I suppose some of the workshops that we're doing with Laura, Laura actually wants the, the children helping out in creating the film because she's an animator. Yeah, they're going to be animating uh, in the workshops and, and we would we want to use those animations in the finished artwork, you know, so yeah. they're, they're already having... We'll, we'll be having hands-on experience of how to make films, you know, and then they might end up working. The, the other important note is that this piece of work that's being done, um, when the building is finished, mm. the plan is that that will be accessible to members of the public. So for us, it's really important that we preserve the incredible heritage of this building um, 
and, and not just the building, but actually John and Cecil specifically, um, all that they've done for the city, um, which uh, you know, we've got a certain amount of time on this podcast. You, you couldn't actually list out all that they've done for this city in that time. Um, so it's important for us that that's preserved and that members of the public have access to that content. So they will get access to the building, it's not just going to be shut down for Exactly, Hollywood it's really types. important that um, during the evening the plan is that the central um, section of the building, which we call the, the hangar, which is the old canteen for the Jane Seymour's printing company, that will open up to members of the public and then you'll be able to access all of this content through your, your mobile or your tablet, whatever. Um, and will then pass on that kind of passion that clearly is, is very much alive and well in this room to you know, members of the public. Mm. And hopefully that then means that people have a, an even greater care and respect for the building um, and you know, therefore look after it long mm. into the future. But it's really important we get these stories now because mm. you know some of the people we've been interviewing are in their late 80s and the stories they have are just absolutely amazing we we spoke to dorothy and she told us about the great winter of 1937 when all of um, liverpool came to a standstill because of this you know loads of snow and frost and none of the transport was working so um littlewood sent out their lorries to go and collect the women <laughs> you know, on one hand you might as well go oh, well, you're not allowed a snow day. <laughs> but there was this sense of fun hearing the women talking about it. And um, just the stories are so rich. Um, but they also reveal a lot about the era because even though we know that John and Cecil really cared for the women... Um, there's also stories about women having to take maternity leave because it was part of the, you know, the the national process. You had to take maternity leave. So women actually hiding the fact that they were pregnant because they were so scared of losing their jobs because it brought so much money to the family. But we also hear stories about... Um, John and Cecil had a hunting lodge in Scotland um, and... When people were ill or grieving, pardon me, they were able to go to stay in this lodge um, and have a week away from work, you know, rather than, where's, where's your GP's letter? <laughs> you know, it, there was that sense of looking after the workforce. Yeah, I think they were incredibly forward-thinking in the way that they handled their staff. You know, absolutely remarkable. I think, actually, there's many businesses now that could take a leaf out of the book in the way that they... They looked after their staff. In fact, one of the things that hit me most was um, last year there was a 95th anniversary dinner for kind of ex-employees of the business, um, which was funded in part by the family, um, but it was £25 for a ticket at this event. Someone stood up and they said, well, you remember how back in the day we used to go on the train to... Blackpool or wherever and it used to be £10 to get on the train but then at the other end there'd be a member of staff giving you your £10 back he said well actually the family want to do the same so oh, yeah. all 600 people or however many there were in the cathedral he said you know every single one of you will have £25 back in your bank account in the next two weeks yeah. now they're not their employees any longer the family didn't have to do that it was enough of a celebration just as it was the fact that actually it was in their kind of psyche to, to to look after these people as though they were their staff mm. now um i think says a huge amount about the family and the way Absolutely. that they cared for people uh, 
mm. quite incredible, really. Mm, the stories are fascinating. Is there a bit of pressure, Jeff, to de- deliver that That's final project? Pressure, yeah. <laughs> but you just pick up on the on moments. You know, when you only need one of the women to tell you a story about the beauty contest or about the songs that they listen to in their tea break, and mm-hmm. you're you're already getting material in that, aren't you? You know. Um, so yeah, material's definitely not the <laughs> issue, is it? Well, it's, it's just shaping it. Shaping it's fast, it. Yeah. You know. But also the ritual of the pool. Do you remember doing the pool? Yeah, it was a, a family. It was, that, it was the family uh, weekend ritual at my granddad's mm. house. You know, uh, all the uncles and all the kids gathering around to, mm. to to listen to the results. You know, well, you go to the very beginning of putting your cross on the coupon, and then you know. So it, it, I think that's I think that's a big part of working class history, particularly in yeah. cities like this. You know. I think it's actually interesting that if you look at the rise of the pools to what sixteen million players at its peak, well, you also look at the rise of popularity of football in the UK. Yeah. Um, really, the the pools changed the the culture of the nation um, in a really kind of dramatic way. Um, I think. This is not just a Liverpool story, it's, it's a national story. And actually when you look at, when we did the, the press coverage for the, the Twickenham deal, that was an international story because actually this building is known in a far wider context than I think we, we all probably understand. Um, that was a global press piece. Yeah. Um, it got coverage literally right the way across the globe. Um, so there was definitely... Um, in terms of profile, this building is, is not just important on a local context, but actually a, a national and international. What sort of timescales are we looking at? For the completion of the scheme? Yeah, for the completion. Uh, slated for the end of 2021. Is that enough time for you to do your heritage <laughs> project? The heritage project's coming in earlier than that, because when we put in the application, um, the dates were a little bit earlier. Um, but yeah, obviously we, we want the building to be ready before we project on the um, outside of it I mean I think that'll be an amazing event for the local community just you know to have that moment where the building gets taken to its new life as the film studio but then to just literally bring history to life and show images and voices and sounds from the past in a project that's really been built by you know intergenerational community it's it's the youngsters working with the former employees and the students as well it's it's really exciting it's a real privilege to be part of this moment in history mm. it's quite kind of ironic though that the lottery have funded us because if it wasn't for the lottery then maybe the pools well the pools does still run as the football pools online but it was kind of the nail in the coffin i think for littlewoods pools how do people get involved in this project they want to share their stories well, you can either um, join the Facebook group. I think that's the easiest way, um, which is the Littlewoods Heritage Project. If you search for that on Facebook, we're very easy to find. So come and be part of that community. Um, but I've also had people sending um, letters to the university or emailing myself. They've also been emailing you, John, yeah. haven't they? And you then put them in touch with us. Um, but yeah, you can either get in touch through John Moore's University or Metal. Um, yeah, lots of different ways. And if you've got a story, do get in touch. And it, it's what makes those stories unique because everybody says, I loved it. It was the best time of our lives. I had friends like I've never had before. But it's just thinking that little bit in more detail. What 
is your story? What makes your story unique? What are your memories? Um, we'd love to hear and we're actually going around interviewing with the students but we're making a stipulation to the university that these um, interviews that we do get uh, they, they stay at the university for forever they will never be taken away so we are actually now capturing this history for future generations it's fascinating and I look forward to seeing the progress of it in the next few years Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. That's the end of our podcast today. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you found it interesting. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Mersey Waves podcast and why not leave us a review? If you want to get in touch with us, maybe you've got some ideas for any topics you'd like us to cover, email hello at merseywaves.co.uk.